Defending Against Compelled Pronoun Usage How to Fix the Bias Against Free Speech on Campus And Inside the Woke Meltdown at One Domestic Violence Organization Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit this podcast's episode description. On July 27th, FAIR's legal team sent a letter to Dr. Faye Moncloa, Youth Development Advisor at UCCE Santa Clara County in California, and Dr. Nia Amani Fields, Youth Development Specialist at the University of Maryland, regarding a policy implemented by 4-H, a subdivision of the United States Department of Agriculture and the nation's largest youth development organization. The policy, Practices for Inclusion of Individuals of All Genders and Sexual Orientations, which is laudably aimed at mitigating bullying and harassment, is unfortunately fraught with misguided directives that are likely to result in free speech and parental rights violations. The policy states, Failing to treat individuals in a way that is consistent with their gender identity, including using the expressed names and pronouns, may constitute harassment. If harassment is identified, the program must engage in appropriate corrective action. Additionally, the policy states that 4-H will treat all participants according to their gender identity, even if a youth member's own guardian raises objections. Fair's letter notes that requiring 4-H participants to use the preferred pronouns of others, under threat of corrective action, violates their First Amendment rights. As a subsidiary of the United States Department of Agriculture, 4-H is bound by the First Amendment. Moreover, the letter notes a further concern that by disregarding parents' wishes regarding their child's gender, 4-H is infringing upon the constitutional rights of those parents. This week on our Substack, we debut a new series called Fair Chapter Spotlight, where we profile the grassroots on-the-ground efforts of everyday fair volunteers, parents, teachers, and community members, as they work to promote a common culture of fairness, understanding, and humanity in their communities. First up, Fair Utah, featuring chapter leaders Alicia Alba and Jefferson Shoup. Alicia and Jefferson have worked together to introduce a pro-human approach to opposing racism and intolerance throughout Utah. They've hosted speakers who engaged in the 1960s civil rights movement and reached out to local and state government officials who share FAIR's resources, goals, philosophy, and initiatives. They've also collaborated with parents and local school boards to implement the FAIR Story curriculum into Utah school districts. Their local focus helps the chapter amplify its voice and influence as they continue to expand throughout the state. When talking about the importance of a grassroots movement like FAIR, Alicia notes that, we don't have to do everything, but we do need to do something. And I believe that when everyone contributes their unique something, it will be more than enough to change the world. Also on our Substack, Yi Zhang Pogue writes about her initial animosity toward social justice activists and how taking a different approach allowed her to have more compassion for them, despite her strong disagreements with their ideologies and behaviors. She says... It was hard for me to hear these activists and accept their concerns. I had been fighting with them for nearly five years. I was tired and angry. I had endured disrespect, defamation, and vicious personal attacks from many activists. But I started to wonder what those activists had been through. I paid attention to their decades of advocacy instead of their troublesome proposals. 
I was fully aware that many American people are reluctant to have conversations about race, and it wasn't until George Floyd's murder brought the topic to the center of Americans' consciousness that any of it began. I started to think about how hard it has been for the activists as well, how tired and angry they were, and what disrespect and vicious attacks they had suffered. For the Fordham Institute, Fair Advisor Robert Pondicio profiles Fair Advisor Ian Rowe and his recent book, Agency, The Four-Point Plan, F-R-E-E, for all children to overcome the victimhood narrative and discover their pathway to power. As a fellow educator, Pondicio writes about Rowe's inspiring personal story and the data he marshaled in support of nurturing students' sense of agency and the ways that Rowe's perspective and approach can be a major turning point in our education system. Pondicio writes, Ian is my colleague at the American Enterprise Institute, a Fordham Institute board member and a friend, so my views are not dispassionate, but I have long considered him to be the bravest man in education reform precisely for his ability to remain genially unflappable and steadfastly committed to his advocacy in the face of these kinds of intemperate condemnations from critics who are ideologically committed to the view that structural barriers are far more decisive for kids in determining their educational and life outcomes than their personal habits and choices. For The Atlantic, Connor Friedersdorf discusses the problem with administrators, often operating within or in conjunction with diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracies, who investigate speech on behalf of any complaining party, no matter how weak their underlying claims, and proposes a way to rein in such investigations. Universities should empower their faculty to check administrators, and DEI staffers who undermine freedom of speech. Friedersdorf says, if professors or perhaps representatives chosen by professors could sanction and, in extreme cases, terminate anyone who violates First Amendment rights or free expression policies, administrators would have a powerful new incentive to avoid speech-chilling excesses. Administrators and DEI officials can, of course, be disciplined or fired by high-ranking university bureaucrats, but they are essentially unaccountable to the scholars and students whose expression they are stifling. Faculty members are more likely than bureaucrats to understand that free speech is essential to academic freedom. On many campuses, when administrators have infringed on faculty or student rights, professors, especially law professors steeped in First Amendment law, have been unafraid to speak up. For the New Statesman, Tomiwa Owalade reviews Ibram X. Kendi's latest book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, which, according to Owalade, is yet another variation on the theme of trying to understand and fight racism that Kendi has been promoting for the last six years. Owalade states, If you have read one Kendi book, you have read them all. And whether one agrees or disagrees with his arguments, they are the very opposite of complex. He thinks in binaries. For Kendi, there are no ambiguities when it comes to understanding racism, no shades of gray. What is most striking, however, isn't Kendi's lack of sophistication. It is the exceptionally bland tone of the book. If children can't routinely make mistakes and learn from them, how will humanity grow, he asks. Conceit and insecurity are the twin children of being racist, he proclaims with faux profundity. For the Washington Free Beacon, Erin Sibarium details controversy at Women Against Abuse, one of the largest domestic violence nonprofits, which brought on DEI consultants after the death of George Floyd in the summer of 2020. By November 2020, the article states, the organization was offering to pay BIPOC employees more than their white counterparts and discouraging Black abuse victims from calling the police. 
Its employees were also at war with each other, bickering over whether Jews are a persecuted minority group and whether there is such a thing as a non-racist white person. These events and others prompted Nicole Levitt, an attorney with the group's legal center, to file a discrimination complaint against her employer with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. For the Milpitas Beat, Brittany Talisa King reflects on the second anniversary of John Lewis's passing, and that while she parses through articles, photographs, and interviews commemorating him and the civil rights legacy, she cannot help but notice the drastic difference between the activist's humility and our egocentric culture. King suggests, Something is going on in this country that needs to be confronted, and perhaps it's bigger than a political issue or social matter. It might just be the nasty condition of our hearts. What if we took notes on the lives of Congressman Lewis and Reverend King Jr.? What if our current division is heavily contingent on what we consume? Could there be a correlation between our internet wars and our interpersonal distrust? Is there something to be said about glorifying drama and violent entertainment and the toxicity ruining our relationships? What if our hopes of unity come from studying it, then practicing it, and acquiring the skills to apply it? What if our constant chaos is because we research negativity, we practice polarization, and we execute our humanity one tweet at a time? FAIR is thrilled to welcome six new additions to its board of advisors. Lisa Bildi, Lee Fang, Shadi Hamid, James Kerchik, Monica Harris, and Greg Thomas. FAIR in Medicine, the official network of healthcare professionals advancing FAIR's mission in medicine and science, is hosting a fellowship for graduate students in healthcare. This is an opportunity for medical students and graduate students in healthcare-related fields to learn about FAIR's tools, strategies, and principles of peaceful change, and to spread FAIR's message on campus or in healthcare settings. Fellows will help promote FAIR's message by participating in a FAIR project, which they will share through their networks at their school or workplace. Projects may include working on webinars, podcasts, writing, research, and planning virtual or in-person events. Applications are open July 1st through August 31st. We want the FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or amateur writer with a story that can contribute to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Send your piece in today at submissions at fairforall.org. We hope to hear from you. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories, or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org donate.